Hi, it's Chris Titley here from Sub11, and we're here at the Airtasker HQ here in Sydney, about to interview Tim Fung, the co-founder and CEO of ASX-listed Airtasker. We're going to get a bit of an update on the history of the business, how the business is progressing here in Australia, as well as overseas. Tim, for those uh, people out there that don't know the backstory of Airtasker, can you give the viewers out there a little bit of a history about how the business began and why it began? Sure. So Airtasker, we're a marketplace for local services. In simple terms, we connect people who need work done with people who want to work. And we um, you know, really service like a whole bunch, any kind of job that you can think of, um, you can get it done uh, through Airtasker. Um, so where did it all start? Um, I was moving apartments back in 2011. I asked a friend of mine to come and help me move um, because he's got a truck um, that he uses to do deliveries for his frozen chicken nuggets business. Um, so we put everything in the back of his truck and he helped me move departments. And that just got us thinking, you know, why don't we ask friends and family who are busy doing other stuff why do we help their, ask them for, for help with these kinds of jobs when there's all these people out there that would uh, love to be able to earn some extra income by doing those uh, jobs? And so um, we set out to build a marketplace where you could uh, create trust in your um, local community. And I think by enabling local communities and people in those communities to trust each other more, we can get a whole bunch more done together. And Tim, you, you, you've grown steadily here in Australia really well since that inception early days. And you sort of mentioned now offshore, what was I thinking about being a global company? Was it an initial thought from day one or did it progress naturally? No, it was definitely something that sort of came around a, a little bit later. Um, starting a marketplace, I think, is, is one of the really, really hard uh, things to do in business because it's, you know, multi-sided and it's all built on net, network effects and, and scale. And so we very much, um, you know, had a vision of what we wanted to build, but it's very much been step by step by step, just, just build it up. I remember we chatted last time and there was a lot of um, uh, like mowing lawns and putting furniture together with sort of key verticals. Has that changed? And can you talk about some of the verticals within the Airtasker marketplace? So we've got um, five core categories that, that are really, really uh, common. So cleaning, gardening, handyman jobs, uh, moving uh, and removals. Um, and these jobs make up, you know, around 30, 40% of our marketplace. But our secret source is that you can get anything done on Airtasker. So it doesn't necessarily have to fit into like one of these traditional categories. So, you know, an example might be, hey, I want a comedian to turn up for my kid's birthday party. Or I need some IKEA furniture assembly done, but it needs to be done like this afternoon on a Sunday afternoon because I've got, you know, friends coming over at, for, for dinner. Um, and so we've got this like whole long tail of different jobs. One of the things that's really exciting is that at the beginning, people thought about Airtasker mainly for like simple jobs. But as the reputation passport, as we've had more people on Airtasker who have thousands of reviews against their names and are really trusted in our marketplace, the jobs have gotten more and more sophisticated. And so now we're seeing things like accountants, uh, lawyers, architecture, surveying, um, all of these sort of like um, really, really sophisticated uh, work coming into the platform and making up uh, more and more as we grow. And when you get feedback from either side of the marketplace, either the people posting the task or the taskers themselves, how do you incorporate that into product development? Are you using that as well as your own initiatives to get better user experience? One of the things we talk a lot about um, is the reputation passport. And that's something that we um, put a lot of effort into to try and make the marketplace more transparent and accountable. Because the more transparent and accountable it is, the more people can trust each other. You know, you're creating a framework so that people can trust each other and they can trust um, Airtasker. So we've worked um, hard to move from what initially was just, you know, a five-star review and some, um, and some text that you could write. And we've moved into making it multidimensional. So you can now rate someone by, you know, how punctual they were. How was their communication? Did they have the tools 
where they were skilled, and you can um, share all of that. We also allow for anonymous feedback, so when things are, you know, um, when you want to share something with Airtask and you might not necessarily want to share um, with the other person, uh, we allow for that. Um, so we've continuously investing into making their marketplace more transparent, more accountable, um, so that people can trust each other more. One of the words that people talk about in marketplaces is leakage. How do you deal with leakage? What's your thought on leakage? So first of all, we very much um, focus on where we can add value to the customer and the tasker. So we think about it less so as like, what did we lose and how do we get it back? And more about how do we get customers and taskers to see massive value in what they're using Airtasker for? Um, because I think you know, the reason why people leak off a platform or don't want to use the platform is if they just don't see the value. And so that's where we focus our attention. Um, that said, there are some people who want to use the platform and don't necessarily want to pay their fees for it, and, and there is leakage in that sense too. Uh, one of the things that um, we, we've done is invested heavily into um, AI and, and moderation tools so that we make sure that people follow the rules. And the, you know, the rules on Airtasker are we don't want private information being shared because it's terrible for like privacy and, and scraping and security and all those kinds of things. So we make sure that um, private information is shared through the Airtasker platform, keeps everybody safe, but also helps to um, address leakage. One of the other things we've done is we've established a, a new construct which is called a connection fee. And so uh, when two parties connect on Airtasker, um, part of the fee is actually charged at that point in time because we've made that um, connection, that value has been uh, provided. And what that means is you don't have people incentivized to take things off platform um, post a connection. Um, so many, many ways to address uh, leakage um, and I'm sure it's not a problem that ever goes to zero. And Tim, when you've gone overseas into the US uh, and also to the UK, how have you found the, the different jurisdictions and the challenges of going overseas? Is it, is it very similar to Australia or have you found it a little bit difficult sometimes? So it's definitely a challenge because what we need to do um, at Airtasker is build from a marketplace of zero starting and build up a network effect. So that requires scale, that requires getting it up to a certain critical mass of, of liquidity. Um, how does that translate into a customer experience? It's basically when you're a customer, you post a job, you want there to be taskers there waiting for you um, to, to be able to do those um, to be able to do those jobs. So there's definitely a challenge in building up those scale in new markets. But what I think has been remarkable is that in every country that we go to, everybody has the same problem, which is in their local community, there are people with skills who could help them get some stuff done, but it's hard to connect with those people pay them in a way that makes sense, have insurance and, you know, be protected by a, a marketplace. So that is common across the world. Um, and we've seen it, you know, to be true in the US and the UK. And, and that's why we're getting um, traction in those marketplaces. And how important has sort of the media partnerships been along the way here in Australia and then in the UK? Really, really important. So um, in Australia, to paint some history, um, between 2016 and 2021, um, we had Seven West Media invest into um, Airtasker, and so they gave us a lot of media and advertising uh, power, and we, um, we gave them equity in Airtasker. Um, what that did was it built brand awareness massively. It helped us grow our revenue by about 20x off some pretty, um, some pretty big numbers, um, and also it got Channel 7, Seven West Media, a 5x investment return when, when um, they were able to exit that investment. So it worked really, really well. Um, as we go to the UK and to the US, uh, we're also exploring like how do we replicate and learn from some of these experiences that we had in Australia um, and, and, and to repeat that. Uh, we've now done that um, in the UK with Channel 4, uh, who is now our investor and partner, which is really exciting. And we're exploring ways to do that in the US as well. 
Tim, over the last couple of years, there's been a sentiment shift in technology stocks from growth at all costs, really, to, to capital efficiency and fiscal responsibility. How have you approached that as a, as a leader and also as a board? Well, certainly has been a shift. So I think definitely acknowledging, you know, 2021 was kind of crazy when, when you look back at it. Um, people were literally rolling up with, you know, uh, the metaphorical trucks of cash and saying, go spend this and invest it. And, you know, if you can grow 1% off that, that's fine because I'm not going to get any money out of this, you know, by putting it in the bank. Um, so things definitely uh, did change. Um, the way uh, that we approached it, we're very fortunate. We have a very high operating leverage business model. So Airtask has a gross margin about 94% on the revenue that it makes, um, which means that, you know, at, at, as a scaled business, um, you know, every dollar that we, we earn in revenue, a lot of that falls down um, into profitability. Um, the big change for us was how much are you investing into high-risk long-term bets concurrently? And I think during 2021, 20, uh, you know, metaphorically, we had four or five probably long, long-term, very, very large uh, and, hi and high-risk bets are going. And now we've uh, tempered that and we're really focused in on one or two product initiatives that are really um, high probability of, of success. And so that's really where it changed for us. That reduced the fixed cost base and that's what's able, made us pretty easily able to be a, a cash flow positive uh, business, which we are now. Tim, on a personal level, when you wake up every morning, you're a public company CEO, you're a founder-led business, do you get excited every morning? I'm amped every day uh, at, at, at Oscar. I think what we're working on I think fundamentally adds value to communities and to people. And what I mean by that is it's, it's a really simple model. Like, hey, we're going to help um, a customer find a task and get something done, and we're going to make a percentage uh, commission uh, from doing that. And there's no world where that's not valuable. Like, that is just a, a fundamental need of, of, of communities. And I think when you're working on something, when you know that this problem exists and, and you've just got to solve it, that's what makes it exciting to get out of bed and, and, and go solve it. And, you know, you know, maybe that's in distinction to something where it's a really, really complicated business model where, you know, it's B2B enterprise for this and with this kind of business model, it's probably harder to feel uh, that way, at least, at least for myself. So, yeah, just having a simple business model, adding fundamental value makes it exciting and fun. When you started the business, sitting here now, looking at the growth of the business, the trajectory of where it is, do you feel proud or do you also feel like it's just also the beginning? A bit of a balance of both. I think I'm certainly proud of the work that um, our team has done to get us to where we are today. And, you know, we have gone, we built something. And, you know, I think when you reach a, a, a place where the business is self-sustaining and profitable, you know, that's when you can really feel like, hey, that, we created something. That, that's awesome. Um, at the same time, I feel like we're at the absolute beginning of our journey. I really believe that this is a decades-long, a century-long endeavour to actually be able to help the whole world, be able to realise um, the full value of their skills, allow people to monetize what they can do and to help other people um, in their community get some stuff done. Um, and so we're absolutely at the beginning and super excited to, to do more. One final question, some advice for aspiring entrepreneurs who have a business idea and think, oh, should I go ahead and do it? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is get out there and, and give it a try and be comfortable by, with being uncomfortable. Uh, one of the things about starting a company is you, know, you have to make lots of assumptions and you know, um, make lots of like, calculated guesses about what you're going to do. And um, I think what's almost universally true is whatever you think you're going to do, that's not how it's going to work out. And so rather than spending your time thinking too much about how you're going to solve all those niggling things up front, you kind of just got to get out there and, and give it a crack and be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Tim, it's been a great chatting to you and thanks for the update and looking forward to catching up again. Amazing. Thanks, Chris.